Worshiping with you guys. Well, if you're new, my name is Mark Speeder, lead pastor here at Antioch. And the heartbeat of our church is that we want to love Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we want to love our neighbor and others as he has loved us. We want to keep the first things first because we believe that he has loved us with a generous and radical love. And so, um, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Are you excited about that? A few of you guys, not too many, not too many football fans, but uh, tough crowd. Uh, in the spirit of Super Bowl Sunday, I thought I could just talk for a minute about uh, my short football career, okay? No, I didn't play professionally. Uh, so I uh, played football from fourth grade through high school. And, you know, my, pre, my prerequisite, or, or what I'll say ahead of time, is I didn't get saved until my senior year of high school. So I just, you know, I, I have some sermon illustrations that are really dumb because, I, you know. So anyways, so, um, so when I played football, you know, it was the uh, 99 through 2003, as graduate in 2003. So we'd have these, you know, big old cameras that you'd take the game film on on Friday night. And then you'd have this thing on Friday, Saturday morning, and you'd all come and watch the grainy game film. Right? You actually couldn't really make out who's who on there. You're like, I think this is you, you know, whatever. But one of my main priorities as a football player was to not only make big plays, but to just rail people so I could see it on Saturday morning. I thought, if I make a huge hit, that'll be really great for the game film on Saturday morning. You know, I thought that was kind of like my apex. Second under that was actually winning a game. My, my first priority was, was making the big plays and making big hits. You know, that was like, that was my kind of first priority. So I tried to, to, to be in positions on the field where I could make the big hit or make the big play or whatever. Uh, again, I, you know, I, uh, Jesus helped me along the way. Um, I tried to find a picture for y'all of my, my high school football days, but I could not find it on a quick search last night. Sorry about that. So I'll have to resurrect one of those soon. Uh, and as I got older and I matured a little bit, I, I realized that football uh, and many sports is not a solo sport. <laughs> it's actually a team sport. <clears throat> and I actually had missed the opportunity for at least most of my football years, to enjoy the joys and benefits of truly being a team player. And uh, I honestly probably wasn't as good of a football player because of it. Um, and so what I realized is in the midst of a team sport, I had somehow managed to make a team sport about me <laughs> and put myself at the center. And I had played a team sport as a solo sport. Now, you know, we, we live in a, a kind of world and culture that is kind of puts us at the middle of the story, right? That's often how we interpret scripture. We're like, 
oh, like, I am kind of the hero of this, like, I'm the David, and I'm this, and sure, God will speak. I think we can learn principles from David and other kind of heroes of the Bible story, but we often kind of insert ourselves in the middle of the story. We live in a world that kind of is centered around me instead of we, and so we often bring these kind of broken frameworks into the church just like I brought my kind of selfish, broken framework into a football team, and then then struggle, just like I did in football, why this wasn't as great as I hoped it was, you know? And we often bring that into the church kind of like a broken, uh, or if you ever put on a wrong prescription glasses, you ever do that, and you're like suddenly blind, you know? You can't quite see. Uh, I think we often do that with the church. We have a wrong paradigm that often comes from how we have seen community or how we've done family, uh, and we bring it into the church. And, and we see in Scripture that Paul gives us a very clear kind of framework or lens, if you will, to see rightly on what church is so that we can have the experience that God wants us to have. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 26. Now, Paul had just been talking about some of the spiritual gifts and that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. And then he continues on, starting in verse 12 here. He says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. All right, well, I want to make a few observations from this text is, again, I think this gives us a really important paradigm to kind of review church through. And then I want to look at a few implications for 
this paradigm in this passage. So um, I want to start just by acknowledging that if you are familiar with the Corinthian church, this church was a hot mess, right? Now, now that's encouraging sometimes as a pastor because guess what? If you're new here, this church isn't perfect. So sorry to break the bubble uh, to you. But um, as we'll see in a second, you know, when, when, when Jesus built the Corinthian church, he didn't like go to the Lamborghini store and disassemble a new Lamborghini and like make a shiny new Lamborghini with a bunch of new shiny perfect parts. <clears throat> when Jesus put together the Corinthian church, and I think many ways every church, he went to the junkyard and he found some parts that were maybe intended to be great and, and got beat up along the way and got screwed up along the way and made some, you know, whatever, took some hits along the way. And he takes those parts and he restores them and refurbishes them and makes an incredible car. Isn't that amazing? But what, what, what you got to understand here in the Corinthian church, if, you, if you're familiar with the book of Corinthians, they have political problems in the church. They're trying to one-up one another. They've got sexuality problems. They've got um, a, a complete misunderstanding of unity. They're suing one another in the church, right? How about if we had like four or five lawsuits going on in this church? You know, that would be just a, a great Sunday, you know? Um, they're arguing. There's incest going on. So, you know, it's just an interesting, interesting church fellowship, you know? So, but Paul says to them, Oh, you're all toast. You messed up too much. No, he doesn't say that. Paul says to them, you're still one body. <clears throat> and Christ embraces you. And Christ accepts you. And Christ invites you into his body. You see, God brings broken pieces and messed up people into the church and makes us one. And we see the evidence of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you go back a few chapters, Paul says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to this next verse. And such were some of you, but... You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now listen, this is good news. He's not saying if you slip up once along the way, you're not going to heaven. I don't believe he's saying that. He's saying that, yeah, we've all got a past. We've even got present struggles along the way. But here's the deal. If you are in Christ and you have a relationship with Jesus, you're not your struggle. Your identity is not your past behavior. Your identity is not your current struggle. Your identity is in Christ and you are a brand new creation. You might be in the middle of a struggle still, but you are a brand new creation. You are washed, you are sanctified, and you are new. And that's how we come to the church body. Not because we have it together, not because we've got all our issues worked out, but because our identity is no longer what we were 
And we come as a screwed up but sanctified, washed, and redeemed, and made holy group of saints. So my good news for you here is that everybody with Christ can be a part of the body of Christ. Everybody with Christ can be a fully functioning member of the body of Christ. And the beautiful news here is that Jesus doesn't just forgive you and sanctify you and make you clean, but he gives you a calling. He gives you a purpose. He doesn't just make you, he doesn't just forgive you, he gives you a purpose. And so every single one of you has a gift. Every single one of you has a part to play, at least one gift. We see this in 1 Peter. Peter says this, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're gifted. Turn to someone on the other side and say, you're anointed. anointed. (laughs) I know I'm having us be a little interactive today, right? But sometimes we need to build ourselves up in that. Man, I, I, I think so often, sometimes we sit on the sidelines in the body of Christ, not because we're lazy, but because we don't believe it in our heart of hearts. We look at someone who's got a stage gifting or whatever, and we say, what can I give to the body? But I want to tell you that you are gifted and you are needed in the body of Christ. Now, another thing going on in the Corinthian church was they had this thing where they elevated certain gifts over other gifts, right? They, they had this thing where they elevated, um, you know, people, uh, and there was some competitions. So basically, the Corinthian church had been basically creating hierarchies of certain gifts. They thought, well, I'm really going to be somebody if I'm this gift or that gift. But if I'm not that gift, then I'm probably not really needed in the body of Christ. And so they created hierarchies of gifts that were needed and gifts that were dispensable. Don't we kind of do that in the church sometimes? If you've been around churches for a while, we have a tendency. Now, it might depend on the church. If you're in the Bible church, teaching gift is the one. If you're in the Holy Spirit-filled church, kind of the prophetic supernatural gifts, like you want that. If you're in the, the leadership church or the church planning church, you want to be apostolic, right? If, if you're in the evangelistic church, man, you want to be the perfect person bringing people to church. And, and, and if you're not that, then you, I didn't bring any visitors, you know, in the last month or whatever. Or if, or if you're in the, in the kind of church we care for people well, then you want to be the pastoral kind of caregiver, right? Different churches and different movements, we tend to kind of elevate different gifts, maybe not intentionally, but that happens. And it probably even sometimes happens here, Right? We're a kind of vision-led church with an apostolic heartbeat. And sometimes I think, you know, people even here can feel like, oh, if I'm not a leader, then da-da-da. And I think Paul would say to us, just like he said to the Corinthians, absolutely not. That hierarchy is not only not what we believe, but it's dangerous. Paul comes in and says, absolutely not. He says, man, some of you are saying you know, for those of you guys who, who feel on the outside like you're not gifted, verse 15, he says, you can't say because I'm not a hand or because I'm not this, I'm not needed. And Paul says to those who are on the inside or, or feel like they have that wanted gift, Paul says to you, he says, 
don't think that someone that doesn't have your gifting is not just as needed as you in the body. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, he says, look at the whole body where an eye, right? Not only that'd be weird looking. I actually tried to Google search an image of a body of all eyes. Couldn't find it. Thought that would be. You know, but you can picture it and that would be weird. So Paul said, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing, right? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell, right? We, we, we don't need just a bunch of leaders. We don't need just a bunch of kind of people with a gift of prophecy or the gift of whatever. We need the body of Christ. Now, again, let me just lean into my Super Bowl Sunday. I can talk about football this week. Uh, <clears throat> I think oftentimes in a football team, everyone wants to be the quarterback, especially when you're young. You know, you want to be the quarterback, you da, da, da. and if you live in the South, like I did for a while, if you're a girl, you want to date the quarterback. The, you know, the quarterback gets elevated somehow above the other gifts. But here's the deal. You don't want to be in a team of quarterbacks only, right? I mean, most quarterbacks cannot block or tackle for the life of them, right? They cannot make a lot of the plays that are actually needed to be made, right? Some of them can't even run that well, right? They're not even that fast. You need, a, you need beefy linemen. You know, if you're not from a football lineman, those big guys that just block people. You know, it's not glamorous. It's all they do. They just, I actually played linemen for a while, you know, and so you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and you do this. It's not the most glamorous thing, right? You just block people and you try and stop them. That's your one job. But guess what? If you don't have a lineman on offense blocking, the quarterback gets sacked or taken out right away and he can't win games. Right? You need beefy linemen. You need wide receivers who can run faster than the quarterback. You need middle linebackers who when the, when the person's running the ball, you know that person's going to make the key tackle, right? You need every position on the field to win the game. So it is in the body of Christ. We need every gift in the body. And Paul is coming and saying, and Scripture is saying to us, one gift is not more important than the other. There might be one that's on stage here or there, but one gift is not more important than the other. Every person and every body is needed. Man, church is not supposed to be, I think, what we often make it in the West, this kind of like little circle of people who kind of do 90% of the work or like this personality that everyone flocks to and has this like Instagram. And, and I don't think that's all bad. You know, if someone's got a teaching gift, then, if, you know, let it, let it go online. That's great. But I think we've kind of created these platforms in the church that become dependent on a personality and it's, it's, it's exciting and it's fun and it gives us goosebumps when we hear the teaching and when we hear all that and when we connect with this personality, but it destroys the need and, and, and the value of being in a messy local church with a bunch of imperfect people that have to work out how to love one another, right? Because we just would rather sit and hear great teaching that gives us goosebumps, right? And so, so Paul is saying that we, we need the whole body. What happens when we build a church around a personality, if that personality, I remember that as a new believer, I was like, someone's not pre that person's not preaching today, I don't want to come to church. 
<laughs> you know? When that personality is not there or gets taken out, then people kind of say, well, I'm not going to get fed today, and I can't feed myself, Lord forbid, you know, I don't want to feed myself, so I guess I can't do this, you know? And so it gets, it gets weird, right? But what God intended the body is that if one part gets taken out, the other parts have already been doing all their parts already, so the body will keep going and figure it out along the way. It's a very different paradigm from what we've often built in this kind of like business-oriented thing in the West. And listen, I haven't done it perfectly either. So, all right. Y'all track with me? Paul is, the scripture's kind of breaking our paradigms. We need this paradigm for how we do church. But God, every gift is needed, and God has given you a gift for a specific reason. Look at verse 18. He says this. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. Again, just like in a football team, every gift is needed. But imagine this, if, if, um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs came to the coach, um, right, and and they said, hey, I actually don't want to be in my position today. I actually would like to be the quarterback, And I'm tired of being a lineman, and I'm tired of being a wide receiver because we all, we all talked, and we all think we should be the quarterback. <laughs> no, no, the, that, that is like a coach's frustration and nightmare, right? He's, the coach has thought through, he or she has thought it through, and kind of put people at where is best for that individual and where is best for the whole Right, And so often in the body, we tell God or we tell one another, no, 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 I, I need to be at this part or I'm not going to play a part, right? And, and so God knows what he's doing. Verse 18 tells us he arranged them as he chose. Can I say that you are who you are with your personality type and your experiences for a reason? And it's good, it says in the beginning, God made you and saw you and said, it's good. You don't have to be the extrovert or the student or the this or the evangelist or the preacher or the business person. God made you and it was good. And he also knows that he arranged them as he chose for a reason. There's a reason you're sitting around the people you're sitting around. There's a reason you're in a life group with some of the people you're in a life group with. There's a reason God puts you around other people that are probably different than you and sometimes drive you up the wall because it's the beauty of the body. God arranged them as he chose. If we're all eyes, we might get along, but we would not be a functioning body. So what this means is we need to let go of the idea that some gifts are better than others so that we can celebrate what God has given each of us and honor each part along the way. Now, if if you understand the human body, right, the parts don't only exist for themselves, right? My my finger, you know, doesn't just kind of say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just kind of do my own thing today, right? Or, or if I were up here and kind of like, God, my arms are just not working. It's kind of numb. 
and um, oh, leg gave out. It just decided to not. It said it doesn't want to do that, and now my tongue is not working. And because they said it, just, it doesn't want to do anything today. Can someone help me out? Right. That's how often we do church, though, right? We're, right? <clears throat> if the parts all decided to suddenly exist for themselves, <laughs> we couldn't be working together in the Mark body to bring this message to you. <laughs> and so God has anointed the body of Christ to, to work together to be <clears throat> the church, right? If we had a bunch of solo body parts, it'd be weird. I actually tried to go find some, some fake body parts. Now, emphasize the word fake. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> to show you that a floppy tongue by itself or a bendy finger or a squishy eyeball, you know, I was going to throw them out into the crowd. It would be weird, right? But uh, most of them were like, uh, either it's not Halloween or they were like bloody all. It was weird. So, but it's weird, right? Just like a body part alone is weird. Body parts left to themselves are, are strange, right? Body parts that do their own thing just for themselves, it's a strange concept. And so I want to invite us to be just kind of pre-offended for a second before what I'm about to say, and then I'll balance it. <clears throat> there is no Christian without the church. That's what I can infer from this. There's no uh, at least fully functioning Christian without the church. Just like there's no functioning finger. If this finger got chopped off, it would last a very short amount of time before it, you know, it wouldn't be doing anything, that's for sure. And it would, get, uh, it would die. And I don't know what happened past that. I'm going to end that thought process there. There's no Christian without the church. Now, can you be saved or have Jesus in you and not be a part of a local church? Yes. You know, I'm not saying you're not saved if you're part of a local church. And are there seasons where someone goes through serious church hurt or, you know, is in a transition season? Yes. So there's nuances and there's things. But that is the exception. And Paul is saying, man, just like the human body, if we are individual parts, we can never walk in God's destiny or God's call for our individual lives apart from one another. Good. You see, the word Christian, little Christ, right? If we're going to be a Christian, it means that we learn to lay down our lives for other people to serve and to use our gifts for the good of the whole. So there's literally, you cannot do the Jesus stuff without the body, right? <clears throat> and so the, the, the gift of salvation is for you. But the spiritual gifts that God's given you, they're for others. Now, God saved you just because he loves you. He loves you and he wants you like a good dad. But he gives you gifts not so that you can say, I'm a finger and it's awesome. I'm an ear and look at me, guys. I can hear really well, you know. I can, I'm an eye and I can see and I'm better than the other eye, you know. No, he gives us gifts for other people, not for ourselves. So this is a paradigm because I think often how we see the paradigm shift, I think how we often see the church, if I can get the, uh, uh, oh, 
a little preview where I'm going. We often see the church like this, right? Like, I, you know, we need to be this person, and then all the, all the people will come. And if I'm not this person, then I come to church like this, right? If I can get the next uh, picture. I come to church like this and feed me, right? <laughs> I'm being dramatic, right? But, but the thing is, in that last picture, Michael Jackson, love a little Michael Jackson, right? You got a bunch of people just kind of sitting doing nothing and one person kind of doing everything. And so, uh, but this is actually how Jesus sees the church is more like this. Now, this is just one system in the human body. And here's a bunch of things that I can't even pronounce and hadn't even heard of, you know? And that's the beauty of the body. There's a few things I've heard of on there, but most are just doing things that right now in me, and it's amazing, and I wouldn't miss it until it was gone. And then I'd be like, oh, dang, you know, my uh, dorsal digital veins are screwed up, you know, or my superficial veins of the leg. You know, I know I can be superficial, but my superficial veins are not working, or my digital veins, you know. Uh, that's, that's the picture of Jesus. I'm having fun today. Y'all good? Uh, it was a long weekend. Need to have a little fun. That's the picture that Jesus gives us of, of the church. And so, um, here's, here's the thing, though. Um, most of those, like I just alluded to, you've, you've never heard of. And, and um, if, when we make our gifts about ourselves or being seen or being heard, right, we'll miss what God has for us along the way. And so, uh, the, the, um, again, our tendency is not to say, how can I serve? Our tendency is to say, my gift is for me. But what God's saying is that all of these, just like that body, right, our gifts are for others. We, 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 these parts should wake up in the morning and my hand says, how can I serve? My, my feet say, where do you need to go? My eyes say, what do you need me to look at? Right? My ears say, what do you need me to listen to? My heart is like, Old faithful, I'm here beaten, you know. Uh, my, my, uh, my stomach's like, what are you going to put in me today? Hope it's good, but, uh, you know, be smart. But either way, I'll digest it for you, right? They're all showing up saying, hey, how can I serve? And so uh, how we discover our gifts and our calling along the way is not necessarily by taking a gift test, although that has some value. It's by starting and saying, how can I serve and trying a bunch of things, and start to figure out, I think I'm a finger. I think I hear really well, actually, because I tried doing the hand things, and that didn't work out. I tried doing the eye things, and I couldn't see for the life of me. But then I started hearing things, and it was great, right? Uh, I can actually hear. I think that's, and so that's how God designed the body along the way. Um... The interesting thing here is that just like some of these parts uh, are not known or seen, we see in verse 22 to 24 that God honors the parts that are less visible. So just like, you know, we often want to be Michael Jackson, in God's kingdom, we're not going to get to the, the throne at the end of our life and God be like, you were Michael Jackson for Jesus, we've been waiting for you up here, you know? He's going to be like, were you faithful, Michael? 
right? And were you a faithful person behind the scenes? And were you faithful to be the eye or the ear or the digestive uh, or whatever? And so not only that, God gives special honor to those that were behind the scenes. And we see that right here in this text. It's very different from the world. We want to be the CEO or the leader, or the spokesperson. In God's kingdom, they give honor to those who are actually less seen. And so just a few people that I want to give shout outs to because you guys are often behind the scenes, loving, serving. Patricia, right here. I scared you. Uh, Gets here early, sets up consistently along the way, helping with hospitality, helping with other things along the way. And just, man, if you're around Patricia, you're going to feel loved and cared for and seen, right? Uh, or, or just a few others. Um, Brandon, helping behind the scenes, right? Helping our finances stay in order. Thank you for the way you've uh, worked with us and Jordan, helping us set some financial clarity, some financial goals. Thank you for that along the way. Another guy, Miguel. Where are you, Miguel Cabrera? There you are. This guy's always working hard, coming to set up, things like that. Thank you. Just, man, this guy has got a heart of gold. I so appreciate and, and love this guy. Carly, where are you? Working. Oh, there you are, Carly. Thank you. Running sound, serving behind the scenes. Just thank you. I, I could keep going on the list. And God's kingdom is not, oh, the pastor is the great one. In God's kingdom uh, not only are we equal, but some of you might have more reward in heaven than me, even though I'm the preacher. So, in fact, a lot of you might. So, um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to keep up with those of you who are good at serving. Thank you. And that's how, that's how God sees it in the kingdom. And so, um, all right. A few implications of this, and then we'll get y'all to lunch here. All right? Um, so, you can go Popeye's like that guy from earlier. <clears throat> A few, a few implicate, if this, is, if this is the biblical picture of church, right? I, I don't know, even if this has been your church experience, I want you to set kind of what you know at church on the shelf and just kind of just reapproach it with this fresh lens for a minute. Just humor me, right? Whatever your church background, even if it's just this church. <clears throat> what are the implications of this, if this is true, for how we show up to life group? What are the implications, if this is true, for how we, how we come to church? I want you to think about that for a second. A few things that I came up with are, are one, that we, we learn, and God is speaking to me, so I join you guys. We start thinking like we instead of me. <clears throat> that doesn't mean we throw ourselves out. It doesn't mean that I don't come to have, I don't bring my needs to the church. I don't have a sense of self. No, no, we're not talking about codependency or, um, you know, you don't have a sense of self. That's what we're talking about. But it means we think not just of me, but also we <clears throat> along the way. And, and I just think, man, the exciting production, the church is changing, the world is changing in COVID. I, I think with our stressful lives and stressful things going on in the world, uh, uh, it, it's, it's coming to church, kind of be entertained, is not going to win the day for much longer. And so it's not going to make sense if we don't have a we mentality. <clears throat> Secondly, 
<clears throat> develop your gifts. Find your gifts and then develop them. So first of all, have a we mentality. Secondly, we want to invest in ourselves and our gifts, not just so that we can be the best eye or the best finger and have some competition, but that we would be the best servants of other people. And again, for some of you, you might say, I have no idea what gift I have. And that's what I was leading to early. Maybe just start by saying, hey, what's the need? And I'll try some things out. And then if something else seems like it might be a better fit, then maybe we'll send you over there. You try that along the way. Uh, but develop your gifts. And that's the beauty that even within this church, there are probably other people who might be a step or two ahead of you in that gift, or there's other people in the body of Christ. There's teachings out there. There's great with people that are similar gifts and call to you. And God wants you to invest in yourself for the sake of loving others. Thirdly, show up both to receive and to give, right? Healthy relationships are two-way. In, in, in life, but also the body. And so um, what I'm not saying, because what we do sometimes in church is we have 20% of people who show up only to give, and then they get burned out. And then we have 80% of people that show up only to receive. Now I'm overgeneralizing and oversimplifying this. <clears throat> but God's desire is that everyone can receive and everyone gives along the way. So I'll be honest, I, I had a weird last few days, just kind of like some, some warfare and just some, uh, just a couple things getting in my head and discouraging. I was able to come to the elder team and, and a couple of you today and just say, hey, just pray for me. I, I know I'm going to preach and do, I, I just, I need some care as a member of this church, as a, as a body. I need, I need a hug and I need some prayer. And thank you for those of you guys that I got to talk to and, and, and pray for. And so uh, some of us were not good at giving or receiving. So we just show up out of obligation and wonder why I'm going to church, right? Uh, so God wants you to get deep care and like in real time, just like I did today. But God has gifted you all to give. And so what that means is if you're in a life group, I want to encourage you that um, what if we showed up and got a little filled up before so that we could pray over others? What if we showed up and, and, and said, God, what do you want to say for this life group? Is there a word you want to give for this life group? Is there something the Spirit wants to do so that I can come to the leader and say, hey, I feel like God wants to do this tonight, and I just want to submit that to you, right? Or, or maybe God would lay someone in that life group on your heart and say, you know what? I know they're going through a hard time. I'm not going to wait for the leader to go care for that person. I'm going to be a Christian and go care for that person, right? Um, and so what if we showed up at church, but also at life groups, both to give and receive? I think there'll be more life in life groups and have less death groups, right? Y'all have had a death group along the way. I've had death groups, you know, I've been, so to be life group, it means that we're all giving and receiving just like all the body parts are giving and receiving along the way. And lastly, I think the implication is that our well-being is connected to the well-being of others. Verse 26, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That doesn't mean you can't have good things in your life if someone else is, is suffering. But what it does mean is that, you know, that word compassion means to suffer with. 
And that God has designed the body to step into one another's pain, to empathize with one another. And what I, I saw the church at large fail to do in some ways, right? Not that I've been perfect, but fail to do in 2020 and 2021, this kind of inability to step into people's worlds that are different and say some are suffering in the church, therefore we'll suffer as well. We're not good at that in America. We're, we're kind of like, well, this is who I am and this is what I believe. And if you don't believe it, then get behind me, you know? And, and this is a very different thing. And so Paul is saying, hey, if someone else is suffering, that means we need to be willing to hurt with them. And we need to be willing to seek understanding and seek care with them as well. And so, man, what if our life groups were that? What if <clears throat> when someone had a financial need, I've loved the stories of, of some of your life groups giving thousands of dollars to someone who has a need or, or providing and God provides, just awesome. What if we said, hey, if someone has a financial need or someone is discouraged, we're going to step in the gap and just carry that burden with them, right? Um, that's, that's, that's when it becomes exciting. And man, this is what the world is looking for. In a world that's increasingly divided, I'd love for the world to be able to look at the church and say, you have something here that we can't figure out. And I think that's God's desire, even with Antioch Fullerton, is that, man, people would show up at this church and say, this is new to me, but I need this along the way. And so it means we work it out in here. We work out this scripture in here so that we can give it out there and invite other people into it. So just a couple questions as we respond. And I want to invite you to take a second to band. You guys can come up. What is God speaking to you? <clears throat> What's God speaking to you today? We want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. What is God speaking today through this passage is there a perspective, and maybe not, but is there a, a perspective shift that God is giving you with how you're approaching relationships or, or life group or, <clears throat> or church? And is there anything the Holy Spirit might be speaking through this text for you to, to do? And so we just invite you, Spirit of God, as we come to this response time, speak to us. been a place that people who have been hurt in the church have been able to find refuge and restoration. You know, I, I partially tore my MCL a couple months ago, and I'm so glad it wasn't like, guess I'll never have an MCL again on my left, you know? In the same way, if one of us is hurting or been hurt, God's desire for you isn't to say, that was a good run. Some of you guys have been in ministry and you've been hurt. Some of you guys have <clears throat> been hurt in relationships in the church. And I just feel like God is highlighting.
Highlighting like those of you guys who have been hurt, there is grace for you in your pain. And also, God's desire is not for you to be sidelined forever. And I believe God's desire is for you to be restored, just like I had to do physical therapy in my, my body. God wants to speak to different ones of you who need to be restored. And my hope is that you find a loving space here to be restored into the things that God has for you so that you can run again and that you can do relationships in the church body without flinching whenever someone says that thing because you're afraid of being hurt again. And so I just pray maybe for that group, all of us, but maybe that group specifically, Father, I just, I thank you that you care for the hurting body part. Help us to be a church that cares for the hurting body part. Help us to be a place that we get restored so we can run again, so we can walk in our gifts again and not just be a shell of who we're meant to be, but to run as the people you've called us to. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's worship and respond. So a couple of our leaders can be available for prayer in the signs. If you need prayer for anything at all or, or you need to kind of maybe meet Jesus for the first time or be forgiven, we'd, we'd love to pray for you. But let's, let's worship Jesus here as we respond.